Hello and welcome to this podcast trailer of Sam's Alternative slash Sam Saturday 4 Hours of Power Podcast 3 of 3 Part 1. On this part of the podcast I'll be chatting to Vin and Monica from Melbourne metal band The Last Martyr about how the band formed, how they came up with the band name, what the response has been like for Burn It Down, their upcoming festival in Melbourne at Sanctuary, Your Heavy Haven All Ages event, Saturday December 9 at Singing Birds Studio. We will also play Burn it down in part two of the podcast so why don't we get into the interview with vin and monica from the last martyr here it is hello hello monica hey sam what's up not much how about yourself not much had a busy day but a good day i did a few interviews and caught up on a little bit of work and planning so it sounds a lot busier than what my day has been. I've sort of just been preparing for this interview tonight. Just, um, yeah, just working on what I'm going to talk to both you and Vin about. And there's a lot actually to talk about. I didn't realise, but oh, it's always I'm cool. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so I've actually met Monica from the Last Martyr before, back in February at the tote, but. I had an embarrassing moment that night because I didn't realise I was sitting across the room from Monica from The Last Martyr until someone pointed it out. No way. Oh, my gosh. Was that at, um, oh, what show would have that been? There was like a few was... bands on that night. I think um, Flynn Effect were playing. Yes, that's right. And um, someone pointed out, I can't remember who it was, and I'm just like, that's really bad of me because I get embarrassed when I'm sitting in front of someone and not realising they're part of one of the biggest bands in Melbourne. It's pretty uh, embarrassing. No. Oh, my gosh. You're too kind. Not at all. I'm the worst with, like, faces and names because I live so much online that if someone showed me a picture of their profile photo, then I would recognise them and I would know their name. But when I see people in person, my brain does a weird disconnect and I really struggle with that. So, yeah, never feel bad with that. <laughs> no worries then, Monica. Evening, Vin. Hey, Sam. How's it going? Can you hear me? Yeah, he boasts you perfectly. How's the sound on your end? Oh, yeah, it's coming through great. Is there an echo or anything coming through from my side? No, I can't hear any echo unless right you know, hearing's going really bad from all the gigs I've been to with loud music. But it sounds oh, good. You and me both. <laughs> well, I actually probably should introduce who Monica and Vin are because people that might not know who The Last Martyr are. Um, Vin and Monica are two members of Melbourne metal band The Last Martyr who are playing a festival in Frankston in not even two weeks, Sanctuary, Your Heavy Haven, All Ages event. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. We're playing with North Road and Ironstone, Deadweight 80, Priorities, a whole bunch of others. It's like an all-day thing. And what's really cool is it's an all-ages festival, which I definitely think that Australia needs more opportunities for under-18s to experience live music. I've got so many amazing memories of all-ages shows, so it's really, really cool to be able to headline one especially. Yeah, Melbourne used to have freezer shows back in the day, but I'm not sure. They're not as as frequent as they used to be in all the little suburbs. It's very interesting you bring both All Ages events up in this conversation because I'm definitely like you, both Vin and Monica, is I want more All Ages events because it gives people, you know, that might be 16 or 17, a bit of an 
inlook to sort of what a festival or a gig might be like when they turn 18, but they get to experience it a couple of years beforehand. Well, more importantly, I feel like that was the pipeline for me that that led to me being here now. Like I went to freezer gigs when I was younger and saw bands and, and followed those bands on, on MySpace back in the day. And uh, that got me into like, oh, yeah, there is a local heavy music scene and it just all blossomed from there, you know. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, what's really interesting is how the heavy music scene has changed. And one thing that I always like to bring up because I don't know, I think it's I think it's cool and, and it's definitely worth bringing up is when I was going to all ages shows as a kid, I never saw any women on stage. And that didn't deter me, obviously, because I kept, um, you know, pursuing a career in music. But I just um, think it's so cool now that like young girls are having the opportunity to see like women perform on stage at such a young age, because I don't know, you know, I, I don't know how many more women would be involved in music now if that was more of a thing back in the day. And uh, like, I didn't just realize how many um, female vocalists and bands with female members there are in Australia. There are, I've lost count how many there are at the moment, especially in the metal scene and the punk scene. I mean, Emmy from Red Hook, Adele from Excuse for an Exit, obviously Monica, um, Amaria from Future Static. There's a whole heap of them here. Yeah, they're absolute powerhouses. I love all those girls. Mm. And, um, yeah, I think that's one thing I like to see is because I don't want to – I've got to come – I've got to put this so it doesn't sound really sexist, but I think the – Diversity, I think it needs to be 50-50 male-female sort of gender bands because if it's all male, I think it just looks really wrong. That's just my opinion. Well, it's not really representative of metal fans. Like if you look in the audience at metal shows, there's so many women there and you just wonder why there's not as many on stage and it's like we've always been here but just now I think there's been more of a spotlight, which is really amazing. Um, and a lot of people have been pushing for it. So I don't know if, like, we'll ever get to 50-50. It's so hard to wrap my brain around because we're so used to being the minority, but um, definitely we need to increase that percentage, and I'm just absolutely blown away by the amount of amazing bands in Australia in general right now, but especially those, um, you know, fronted or featuring um, a, a woman member. Mm. Uh, I think we're really spoilt for choice here in Australia right at the moment. 2023 has just been an absolutely amazing year for new music. I, I haven't seen a year like this for probably five years. It's just been release after release of great Australian music. And Last Martyr, of course, released three songs this year, Burn It Down, a cover of Freestyler with Jay Figure from The Weight of Silence and Comedy Slash Tragedy. So... And they've all been bangers too, so. Oh, thanks, Sam. Glad you enjoyed them. Yes. I actually really like that cover of Freestyle. I think that's probably my favourite of the three just because I like The Weight of Silence. So Jay Figure featuring on it just gives that added bonus to it. But also I just think it's better than the original, but that's just my opinion. Oh, thanks, man. That's a, that's a bit of a touchy one. I don't know if you can ever replace the original because that's such an iconic song but I mean it was a fun one because I feel like people who like that song have like a bit of a crossover with the genesis of where new metal came from and all that sort of stuff so 
if you knew that song growing up, there's there's probably a good chance that you might also enjoy our music. So I thought it would it was like the perfect sort of cover that was half electronic, half like heavy elements introduced into it. And yeah, it just turned out pretty fun. So And of course, um you played with the weight of silence a few weeks ago here in Melbourne, which unfortunately I couldn't attend because there was another gig on the same night, of course. There was so many gigs on that weekend. It was crazy. <laughs> it's. I think I've never seen this many gigs in Melbourne Like in the last three weeks. Like the Saturday night just gone, there was at least five in the state of Victoria all on the same night. It's just amazing to see when gigs are clashing, but it's sort of where's your allegiance if you're a um, gig goer because you're like, oh, do I support this band? Do I support that band? It's too hard sometimes i know i know luckily melbourne has a lot of venues that are so close together like the the Bergie has stay gold that's right opposite so um that's pretty cool and the bendigo and the tote i love when they put on that festival that they do or i don't know if they do it anymore but there used to be a festival where they had bands running at both and you bought a ticket you could go to both venues um which was pretty awesome um mm. But, yeah, it was really sick to share the stage with um, Jay Figure and The Way to Silence and to do that live for the first time because, you know, he's in Sydney, we're in Melbourne, so, um, you know, he recorded it in his studio that he goes to and it was just completely separate. So it was kind of the first time that we were able to actually do the track together and he just brought so much energy to the stage. Like Jay is just an absolute force. He is so tall. I always forget how tall he is. And, um, yeah, he just jumped into the crowd, got them going, and, um, yeah, it, it was killer. Yeah, and, and, and they were the first times we played the song as well for the Melbourne and Sydney show. Like, the first time true. we played that, we, we'd played it previously as, as like, a sort of a remixed version of the original, but we haven't actually played our version live before. And this Melbourne and Sydney run were, like, the first two times we played them, and we had Weight of Silence with us on tour, so... It was perfect that we got to play it with him and sort of debut the song with the actual um, singers in it featuring. So that that was that was really cool. And the other thing with um, Jay Figure is like um, I met him earlier in the year at um, Hometown Throwdown at Singing Birds, which was another E11 Live and Loud gig. And um, you know, I'm not someone who judges someone with tattoos, but like. If you haven't actually seen Jay Figger, he's heavily tattooed, but you talk to the guy and he's he's so down to earth, so friendly. It's like that's why you never judge someone the way they look. That's... Yeah, I guess there's a, like still a bit of a stigma out there of like anyone with like face tattoos, but yeah, like he's so sweet um, and all the whole band are just such legends. Like they mm. were really, really amazing to work with. They really like they worked so hard promoting the shows in the lead up. And when they were there, they were so professional, like they played amazing and they're just really, really great people. Um, so that's always really nice when you get to share the stage with just amazing humans and it kind of makes the night a bit more memorable. Certainly does. And, you know, things can still go wrong on a stage or during a gig, even if everything's on the same level, but if everything's, goes to plan and everyone's welcoming in that there's less chance that things will go wrong obviously yeah it's like a if there's good vibes everyone has a positive mindset you recover from anything that happens quicker i think than going into it all stressed 
Yes, I think um, and I think all bands have experienced, and even um, people in general, like whether it's work related, family related, music related. I think we can all get stressed very quickly in some situations, but the best thing to do is sort of to try and extinguish it and sort of move on to the next part because, um, yeah, it's you want people to have a fun night and, you know, obviously The Last Martyr are very good at what they do despite me not having seen them, but everyone I've heard have said you put on a great performance and... I can't wait to see it, to be quite honest. Oh, hopefully we don't disappoint, man, when you come down. <laughs> no, well, no, I'm sure you won't disappoint. <laughs> I haven't been to a bad gig this year, so... And Singing Birds got good memories, actually very, very, very good memories. So I think, yeah, I think The Last Mother are going to blow the roof off of Singing Bird. I'm so excited to see it. So I grew up in Sydney, so there's still a lot of venues in Melbourne that I haven't been to. Um, I've only been here a few years, so and I keep hearing that Singing Bird is a really great venue, and we've never even played in Frankston before, um, but I know that Frankston often hosts a lot of really cool shows, so I'm really looking forward to it, actually. Yeah, well, I'm stoked. Also, like, uh, ben and myself, we used to be in a band uh, a couple of years before The Last Martyr, and um, we actually used to practice at Singing Bird when they were starting up. So I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'd be cool to go back there and. Um, Suss out the old stomping ground, you know? A full circle moment. But the funny thing about Singing Bird, and uh, this is not, not a dig at them, but when I first went there, they said, all right, so there's an alleyway and you walk down it and then the stage is there. I literally walked past where the alleyway was like two or three times before I realised the stage was down that way. You just because... walked down some random alleyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because it's like an industrial warehouse area sort of. So, like, it's really easy to miss if you don't, be like, if it's at night, especially when we used to practice, it's so easy to just, like, accidentally miss. But I'm, I'm not sure if that area has changed much since then. But I remember back in the day, you kind of needed to, like, okay, Google Maps says it's here. It might be one alleyway off. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And because when I first went there, my cousin who lives in uh, Mornington, She's like, I've heard of the venue, but we're trying to look for it on Google Maps. And we go where Google Maps tells us to go, and there's no sign of a gig happening. I'm like, well, this has got to be it. It's just down an alleyway and around the corner. And funnily enough, it was, but it wasn't really well signposted then. So... I guess I'll see what you're talking about when I get there. Hopefully I don't get lost. <laughs> if I don't turn up to sound check, then... That's why. Hopefully, that's not the case. Everyone that's coming down, hopefully, everyone finds a venue. Hopefully, there's a huge racket and you can hear it from like miles away and you're just like, yeah, this is where the show is. Like, yeah, everyone still come, please. Please buy tickets. (laughs) Don't be afraid. (laughs) I mean, 45 bucks for 13 bands, all ages event. You can't go wrong, really. The whole day, too. So, I mean, we're going to be there like right at the start and we're going to hang out. Yeah. Um, if anyone's around, feel free to come up, say hi. We'll have a chat. We'll have a have a drink. Will there be yeah. drinks? <laughs> well, I mean, drink can be coke. True. Like, true. like yeah, Ben would yeah. be downing the cokes on on um at at Singing Bird. Don't you worry. Oh yeah, that man is addicted to especially vanilla coke. It's wild. 
I don't mind the old vanilla Coke. It's probably my favourite Coke outside of the normal one, obviously. But I, I'm yeah. with you on that. Yeah, I, I I enjoy vanilla Coke from time to time. I haven't actually planned what I'm going to get there for the start, obviously. But I don't know if I'm going down Friday night, staying at my cousin's, and then get my cousin to drop me off about quarter to one or whether I'm going to go down on the day and get there about 10 to. I haven't worked that out just yet, but I'll be there from the start, obviously. Nice. Should be a good day, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. And um, there's a lot of gigs and festivals happening, lots of sideshows, obviously good things this weekend, obviously in Melbourne and Sydney and Brisbane. So... If you haven't got tickets to some live music, make sure you get them because um, supporting the live music scene as well as the local music scene is very important. Absolutely. Yeah, in today's day and age, like especially with the cost of living, like I'm so grateful to anyone that comes out to a show. I mean, even if it's not our show, like them coming out to a show is keeping the scene alive. And I'm not saying just go out to any show. Just if you like that band, go out to that show, support that show. And like, also vote with your dollar. You like that band, you're going to go support that band. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we, we just want to keep this whole ecosystem alive. And anyone that chooses to do this instead of um, play video games on a Friday, Saturday night, like that's that's a huge um, win for us, you know? Yeah, totally. And that's, a, I just want to touch base on the support that, because um, I've seen both Finn, Monica, and I've seen Ben a couple of times that, other bands gigs i think that's very important too to see other bands supporting the local scene that bands from melbourne or sydney as well i think that's very important to help each other out well i think first and foremost we're just music fans and i think it's really really important for anyone wanting to get into music to know the scene and to support the scene because you really get what you give um and I think yeah just all in all we're music fans like we get so excited for our friends whenever they achieve something cool like our friends Future Static just got back from Europe and they just released an amazing album this week and that feels like we're sharing in that success also because we're just so happy for them so um yeah I just think it's it's good just to support your mates and that's how the scene um, is nurtured as well is, you know, no one wants to be involved in a scene that doesn't support one another. That's just not really a great, you know, ecosystem has been put it before. So. Yeah. And, and for me, it's also when I was younger growing up, I, I was listening to heavy music, but I was, most of the people I hung out with were all sort of very normie and nothing against them. The lovely people, I'm still friends with all of them, but like, I felt like I was very alone in terms of, not listening to mainstream music or pop music, but listening to heavier music. And I just felt like I didn't have my people. And it was only later on when when I started going to local shows and I found the scene that I was like, oh, I can make friends here and they like the stuff I like. And like clubs like Bang and Next where I was like, these are my people and these are also the people that go to local shows. And it's one of those things where I'm like, I, I don't ever want to take that for granted. So it could all go tomorrow. So I'm just going to go to as many shows as I can, you know, especially if I like the music. Definitely. And, um, you know, some gigs, you know, you could find four or five bands and one of the bands you may never have heard of, but they can quickly become your favourite band. I've had that happen many times over the last year or so where the opening band has become my new favourite band straight away. 
Yeah, and we're fortunate like that we actually at playing shows sometimes we'll be put on a bill with bands that we hadn't heard of and then it, like that's happened with Future Static and that's happened with Excuse for an Exit and countless other bands and then we become fans because we're lucky enough to play on the same bill. But I've got so many memories of, you know, one comes to mind where I saw Amel and the Sniffers at Cherry Bar right before they blew up and look at them now and as soon as I saw um, Amy and the rest of the the gang live I was like oh my gosh this band is absolutely insane I've never seen anything like it kind of reminded me of Divinals um, in you know a really big band like back in the 80s in Australia and yeah like that's just one of the bands that comes to mind that um, I discovered just from going to a local show and now they're absolutely massive and it's really cool to be there from the start. And, like, their last 12 months in particular, like, they supported Foo Fodders last time they were here. They played with Smashing Pumpkins and Red Hook and Jane's Addiction at the World is a Vampire Festival. Like, to support Smashing Pumpkins and Foo Fighters in a year, that's that's big. And I mean, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that, really. <laughs> no, no. I mean, yeah. And, I mean, Dave Grohl, Foo Fighters, probably, if they're not the biggest rock act in the world, they're certainly in the top three at the moment, you'd say. And, I mean, Smashing Pumpkins have been doing it for 30-plus years, so. Absolutely. But, um, no, I think, um, yeah, Amel and the Sniffers, I only came across, I think it was an episode of Spicks and Specs, I think. That, oh, that yeah. Was on. Yep. And I'm like. Oh, I've heard of the name and then I went and listened to their music as you generally do and I was like, yeah, I can really dig this music. Like I think it's got a sound that not a lot of other bands at the moment have, which is a good thing. I think we need difference and experimental music where it's not the same as the last band you heard. Yeah, I think what's cool is they just they're just unapologetically themselves. Like what you see is kind of what you get and I don't know, I just they, they're throwing it back to like the Sharpie era of the 70s in Australia and there's something like really, really iconic and, um, yeah, really memorable about that period of time that you can kind of relate to like pub rock, I suppose, but they're still doing it in their own way and it's like they're modern and they're managing to still be relevant and play all these insane shows. Uh, it's crazy and so catchy. <laughs> mm. uh, so if you haven't checked out Amel and the Sniffers or any of the bands we've mentioned in the first 20 minutes of this podcast <laughs> interview, uh, check them out. Um, it, I felt really big because we haven't actually mentioned much about Vin and Monica's actually <laughs> actual band, which is really bad. Uh, don't worry so about us. No, no, no. We're fine. All about sharing the love, man. All about sharing the love. <laughs> we will get to some last bar the questions in a couple of minutes. Don't worry. So we will talk about the last bar definitely because that would be completely rude to do an interview without mentioning the band. Vin and Monica are in, that'd be completely rude. So that's okay. I'm having a great time. I love hyping up my friends. I can't believe we've been talking for 20 minutes. It feels like we just started, actually, quite honestly. It's like the little pre roll we do to warm up usually <laughs> before you record anything. <laughs> oh, well, all right. I think it's probably the time to. Um, 
get on with the last bar of questions. So generally during interviews, Vin and Monica ask some questions about the band. <laughs> and then at the end, and I'm going to let you know now, so you've got a bit of time to prepare. If Vin and Monica have any questions they want to ask the interviewer, they get to turn the tables at the end and ask me the hard-hitting questions. Ooh, okay. I'm going to start thinking about that. I think I have a few ready to go. So uh, I'll, I'll just develop them a little bit, but I think I've got a few that I can hear you with. And nothing's off the cards either, questions-wise, towards me. I've been asked some really wacky and weird questions, so I've heard it all. Don't worry. <laughs> And, of course, I will play Burn It Down in part two of the podcast music because I love that song. I was almost going to throw in uh, Freestyler as well, but I might throw that in next podcast. No worries. All right. So how did The Last Martyr form as a band? uh, Do you want me to take this one? Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear it from your perspective because you were kind of a ring-in and then we just convinced you to stay. So, yeah, go. <laughs> well, it it kind of goes all the way back to like 2009 almost. Um, well, 2009, December. That's when I first met Ben. Uh, I, was in a, I was in a band that was – we were trying to get it off the ground with um, one of my high school mates. And we were looking for guitarists and we found Ben on Melband, the old forum. You, wait, you found Ben on Melband? Yeah, that's how it all started. So, I found Ben on Melband. Yeah, yeah. So he just history repeats, right? Like, so <laughs> we found Ben on Melband, and we started jamming. And um, that band, a few years of writing songs and stuff, and I mean, I learned a lot from it. It didn't actually take off the ground, so unfortunately, that ended. And then me and Ben, one of the other members from that band, tried to get another project off the ground, which also didn't work out. So. Then I I was like I'm done with with heavy music and and trying to trying to write prog songs and all that sort of stuff I'm I think I'm I need a break so uh, Ben uh, was playing in Renegade Armada at the time and uh, I w- went off and I was playing in an indie band and then uh, Ben said Hey Renegade Armada needs a drummer so he pulled me into Renegade Armada where we met uh, a, like Ricky one of our, our, our oh sorry we met um Maddie our old bassist. And then so Renegade Armada kind of called it quits after a while. And then Ben was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start my own project. It's just going to be me. I'm going to like get everything working and it's all going to be on me. So he went off and he said, can you please be my drummer? And I said, man, I'm burnt out. I'm, I'm done. I'm going to quit music. And he was like, totally fair. I respect your decision. Go live your life. And I was like, all right. I rode off into the sunset and Ben just kept working. So while I was away, Ben like found Maddie, our old bassist from Renegade Armada, uh, found Mon on Melband, um, and and found Travis, our old guitarist, and um, yeah, and and sort of had the last martyr brewing in the background, and they were writing songs and getting everything going, and Ben was looking for a drummer, but he he really wanted me because of our friendship. Like we still kept in touch, we we're still good friends, and so. He was badgering me to be like, hey, man, just come back. Just please be our drummer. And I was like, I can't, man. I can't do it again. I'm, as much as I love music, I'm done. And 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 I was done. Like, I, I didn't touch the drums. I didn't do anything. But I lived the life of a non-musician. But my mind was still in musician mode. Like, all the YouTube videos I watched were, like, musician-based stuff or, like, drum videos and all that sort of stuff. So at the back of my mind, it was just still there burning. And then uh, uh, Ben was ready to record 
or to do the first video clip for the band. And he was like, hey, man, we still don't have a drummer. Just come and be in the video clip for it. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool. I'll come be in the video clip. It's a bit of fun. I'll get the sticks out again. We'll just play the song. We'll jam out. It'll be a fun day. So I did that. And I had so much fun just filming the video clip, um, learning the song and just kind of like jamming with these guys in practice. And then I was like, you know what? Screw it. This feels right. I'm back in. So, so and Ben was secretly like evil laughing in the background, being like my plan worked. So, <laughs> yeah. So then, then I decided, yep, yep, I'm back in. This is this feels right. It it was like one of the best decisions I made to come back into the band. So, um, yeah, I, I was in, and then uh, we did that first EP, and then we had a bit of a lineup change where we met Ricky. Um, we became a four piece, and then. Yeah, we we just kept going through COVID, so that that was kind of like the the startup of the band to the iteration that it is now. Music videos, not even once. <laughs> it's a drug, I'm telling you, like a gateway drug. That's that's a very interesting story. To, but yeah, like I mean, Ben obviously just kept pestering and pestering you, Ben. Uh, like. I can see why you didn't want to get back into music. And I think, like, I think some people think if they just keep pestering this person to get behind the drums or behind the microphone on, on the guitar enough, if they say it five or six times constantly, they'll just, you know, say yes and break sort of thing. Yeah, and and I'm so glad he did because, I mean... Right now, like heavy music and playing drums, it's it's almost part of my identity, and I I would feel lost if that got taken away from me tomorrow. So I don't know. Like I don't know what my life would have looked like if he if he didn't consistently pester me to come back. No, uh, but um, obviously you love what you do, and you know that's the aim of being in a band. If you love it and 110% then it obviously shows in your shows and in your music and yeah it's but sometimes you need that sort of break just to see all right do I want to get back into music or do I want to take another career path and yeah just to take a bit of time to make a decision I think is very important yeah absolutely yeah the way I see it is like the music scene and the the wider industry as a whole like you can, there's so many little like um, sort of skill trees you could develop and work in sort of marketing or work in event promotion or work in um, lab the label side of things. And there's all these li little avenues you go through with the music scene, right? But I don't know, for me personally, I feel like even though it, it most of the time doesn't pay as well, uh, nothing beats just like getting on stage and playing a, sh uh, playing a show, playing a bunch of songs you've written with, with your mates and it's just nothing beats that that rawness of where it all stems from. So, yeah, that that's me, I think. Mm. And, yeah, it's, I think, um, and you see it with a lot of the successful bands here in Australia and worldwide, that um, when they're enjoying what they're doing on stage, you can sort of tell within maybe two minutes of a show when you go to it, if the band's having fun or they're not wanting to be there. And within two minutes, if they're having fun and involved in the crowd, you know they're loving what they're doing straight away. 
yeah, yeah. definitely I agree you can see it yeah it's infectious that the audience can can sense that and they feed off it and then you feed off them and it's like this little cycle that happens definitely because um i'm trying to because um during as much as i don't want to hear say that word ever again on the podcast done with c and ending in d but i did notice it during covid monica that you were running some like zoom workshops with steve canatelli um about sort of the music industry and how to get into the scene and sort of helping bands and all that. I think that was a really good idea because we couldn't obviously do like do it in person during COVID, obviously. Yeah, those workshops were so much fun. It was really when um, Steve and, and Jaden um, Roy, who's been a fixture of the Aussie scene for quite some time, um, when they asked if I wanted to be involved, I was so honoured because those two guys are incredibly knowledgeable um, and I learned a lot myself just doing those workshops with them. But um, moreover, it was just such a good opportunity to feel like there was a glimmer of hope in in some ways. It was like talking about the music industry and for, like upskilling and formulating a plan and helping others do the same helped me personally, I guess, just speaking for myself, feel like I was moving forward during a time where everything was a little bit stagnant and um, it also gave, you know, that human connection-ish um, <laughs> that I guess we were missing during that time. So those workshops, I think we ran them over maybe every second, every, we did it every second week for, you know, I think we ran about five or six workshops in the end on different topics. And sometimes we had, you know, over 50 or 60 people there. And then other times it was more intimate group, about 15 people there. Um, but it was, yeah, just really cool to connect with some new people. I really um, look back fondly on those workshops. And, I mean, if you don't know who Jaden and Stephen are, I mean, well, they're two people along with Monica and everyone in the scene that I say that's what I strive to be and Aww. have that bigger influence in the music scene, which obviously I'm never going to come even close to the three I just mentioned. Oh, but... don't say that. <laughs> Like, I mean, Canatelli, I mean, that guy is, he's, a, he's, a, he's the goat. And I mean that in the nicest way. He's like living legend of the music scene. I mean, I respect that guy every day of the week, like I do with anyone that's part of the music industry. But he does ten times what I do. Well, yeah, he's been like a tour manager. He's like done a lot of merch and been on big tours. He's been a musician himself and, you know, toured overseas. And um, recently he, um, well, for the past, I think almost 10 years or so, he's been a band coach, which pretty much is a role that doesn't necessarily exist well, anywhere else <laughs> um, in the heavy music scene. I don't think in Australia um, he like helps bands with their live shows and takes them from looking amateur to putting on like stadium worthy performances. And now he's in band management and um, yeah, he's, he's got so knowledgeable in so many different areas of the music industry um, and what being one of our biggest, you know, supporters throughout our journey, which has been really lovely. Cause I remember that, you know, the last Unify we did someone, I think it might have been Stephen put up on Facebook. It was like Coach Canatelli Day 2 or something because I think outside of like three or four bands on Day 2, I think it was maybe Mirrors, Red Hook and B 
Banks Arcade, I think, were the only three on that day that weren't coached by Canatelli. And <laughs> he's worked with everyone, like Stand Atlantic, yours truly, Void of Vision. Like you'd be amazed how many bands, you know, people think that these and some bands are just naturally good at it, but like a lot of the time you look at an amazing live band and you think, oh, they just woke up one day and they were good. But you can never see yourself from an audience's perspective. And so he really gives you that, you know, third-party reflection that is pretty much impossible to do for yourself. And he also understands, I guess, standards that are required to be on tour and to be, you know, on one hour sleep in a foreign city or whatever. So um, it's a really valuable service that he does for the industry. Mm. And uh, the scene needs more people, like the people that put in the time and effort that obviously Jade and Monica, Steve, everyone does. Like it's, you know, some people, like I've talked to people and they're just like, like I, they say, oh, how does um, going to one gig, how does one share, one stream, one song purchased off Bandcamp, what does it actually do or achieve in life? It achieves and does a lot more for a band than you would actually think it does. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, it all adds up, first of all. And secondly, like we see those band camp purchases come in and like when you add it up throughout the year that it does make a difference for us. Like we put that towards getting new merch, which then helps us actually be profitable as a band. And it's one of the things, you know, one of the only things that, we can do and people are worried about I mean like Vin you probably have like your own opinions like on this as well but you know people are so worried about the royalties that come from streaming however I see Spotify as a marketing platform I don't see it as a sales platform I think it's like better to understand the game than to like fight the rules so I think like Spotify streams like they help the algorithm understand who our music is for and it's like they're paying us for us to distribute our music and for us to get exposure to new people kind of thing. So I think like if you just reframe a lot of those things and it's really helpful. So if you do stream our song on Spotify or Apple or whatever platform, like you are contributing to helping us get out there a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird because Spotify is like the best thing and worst thing that happened to musicians because number one, it's um, a, like Mon said, it's like a marketing platform. Back in the day, uh, you had to buy a CD or or be in the right place at the right time for someone to give it out to you. Like it wasn't just told, really available. Like Sorry. labels, to labels told you what you should be interested in. They're like, here is the only options in terms of music that's released. Like everything went through a label. Yeah, pretty much. And if you're an independent artist, like distribution, good luck. It just if you wanted to be like, oh yeah, I'm a band and I have music. Like, well, where can I get the music? You're like well, I can meet you at your house after work and I can give you a CD. Like that's the level that it used to be at. But Spotify just removes that along with all the other streaming services, of course. It just removes that barrier of entry. So anyone can just go to one of these services for free and be like, oh, he said he was in this band. They're actually pretty decent. Like they don't actually, there's no entry fee to be able to experience your music. And then once they mm. like it, you can hopefully like get them down to a show. So it's it's good in that sense, but bad in the sense of like, because we are now like, I think what, 12 years into Spotify and all the streaming services being uh, algorithmic sort of um, distribution services, we're getting to the point where it's getting more and more siloed. So 
it's almost like, oh, if you like these bands that other people like, you might also like this band. But if you just slip off to the side of that that Venn diagram a little bit, you might miss out on on the same band. So yeah, it's it's a good and bad thing. And it comes down to you being able to market yourself to all these different audiences and just pretty much use Spotify and the other streaming services as like a landing page for people to get there somehow. No, that's very valid and very um well put what you what what both Vin and Monica just said there because yeah it's I think what 15 20 years ago or even longer ago back when I used to go to you know track music or sanity where you'd buy a CD single or even a CD and you'd get on a CD single what four songs probably a remix a single edit and maybe the radio version an album you might get 20 songs but you're paying 30 bucks for it and you might only want the one song now with streaming platforms i mean you know you can find millions of songs just at your fingertips and yeah it can be any band any genre any decade really yeah that's that's the beauty of it as well it doesn't silo people in terms of like you're only allowed to listen to this because back in the day i remember i'm going to be dating myself here but I used to save up my pocket money and just be like, I'm going to try and buy one CD a month. And if you're only into heavy music or pop music, you're going to be like, ah, I liked pop music as the last one. So I'm going to buy pop music as the next album or vice versa for any other genre. But now because your cost of the streaming service is essentially what an album used to cost, you're just like, hey, why not try another genre? Why not try something else? And there's no risk to it because you're already paying for it. Hmm. And uh, we will get to the um, thing about how I actually came across The Last Martyr a little bit later on because I always like telling the stories of how I came across this band. And <laughs> it it's actually quite an interesting one because it involves another um, Victorian metal band, funnily enough, Ooh. with um, similar words in the title. But we'll get to that a bit later on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, the next question is, how did you come up with the band name, The Last Martyr? Well, we were chatting after after I'd met, like, Ben and the original members. We were chatting band names and we really liked the word martyr. Um, I don't know how it came up, but we just all were like, yeah, martyr, that's cool. Um, but then we're like, oh, we can't just be called Martyr. And, you know, we talked a little bit about some of our backgrounds and we'd all been to music college and we'd all played in like a couple of bands, you know, in high school and since high school and stuff. And the majority of our friends were no longer pursuing music. And that was just so sad to us because we knew a lot of talented people. But, you know, as Vin was kind of sharing his experiences earlier, like some people they burn out and then they can't recover from it. And some people do, which is awesome. I've definitely known a few people to like quit and come back, but it, it's such a hard path and you kind of, you kind of know that going in, but you never really fully understand it till you're in it. And so we kind of felt like we were the last ones, you know, of a lot of our friends that were still pursuing music and still, you know, aiming for this huge dream of ours. And so, yeah, then we just called ourselves the last martyr. Perfect for SEO. Why? <laughs> well, because like it's it's just like a oh, I'm, I'm gonna it's a, I'm about to say it's a unique name, but yeah. funny story. Oh. Um, 
we we um had like all the socials booked out we hadn't officially launched the band yet and then like a couple of months before we we like released our single and started that campaign there was like a band in new jersey america that had the exact same name and also was like a female vocalist fronted band that was called the last Water out of nowhere <laughs> and we've always had this like little rivalry going we've never met them or spoken to them but yeah it was just funny we would get tagged in their stuff sometimes and I think they've since changed their name, but yeah, that was, I was about to say it's a unique name. Turns out it wasn't. Yeah. Cause we did all the searches beforehand. Cause you, obviously when you first start a band, like the last thing you want is for any other band to have that name. Cause that's just such a nightmare for so many different reasons. But, and so, yeah, at the time, like when we saved all the handles, there was no one called the last Marta. And then yeah, a few weeks before we launched all of a sudden this New Jersey last Marta put out music and, yeah, they have changed their name now. So you could say we are the official last mother. <laughs> yeah, because from an SEO really... point, like if you if you had just martyrs, you'd get like a movie, you'd get a whole bunch of other songs. There are other bands that have that word, but yeah. I feel like the last martyr specifically, it's it's quite unique in terms of like a whole bunch of articles of us come up. Yeah, that was important as well. I think I remember talking about that. There's so many things to consider with a band name. <laughs> and then you Strategy. stuck with it for life. <laughs> And because I reckon outside of probably a set list, I reckon the band name would be one of the most difficult things to come up with. I reckon, yeah, because you want it to roll off the tongue and something that will get people hooked. And the last martyr name does get people hooked, and that, like, yeah, I think because you could rattle off 10, 15, 20 names and might still not have the one you're set on, really. Yeah, and then you're always going to get asked about it as well. So, you know, I know bands that just picked a random name and then they always get asked in interviews, like, what's the meaning behind the name? And they're just like, I don't know, it sounded cool. (laughs) (laughs) Which I guess is like fair enough answer as well. I think it's uh, here in Australia, it seems to be the um, V replacing A's in bands, like universes. Uh, Atlas signals. It's sort of like the V's, the A upside down instead, which I like the idea of it, and it certainly worked for three of those three bands I just mentioned. But yeah, it's sort of come, becoming a new thing here in Australia, the upside down A. Well, it looks yeah, dude, cool. that's the generation we're in now. I think where that upside down A is a thing, or like like a V and and or miss like skipping an alphabet. Like that's the generation we're in. Yeah, and then like. Do you remember back in like the 2000s or 2010s when it was all just single word names? Like, oh, well, I mean, circles. I love circles, but circles, and they were all sort of like one word metal bands. Yeah. And there were, yeah, the circles. There was, oh, there still are some around like mirrors and, um, uh, yeah, there's a few metal bands, but now it seems to be sort of three or four word bands, especially here in, Melbourne, like you got excuse for an exit. I know they're not metal, but the rock scene, you've got the gloom in the corner, obviously. The last martyr has three words in it, obviously. So it's done, it's worked for those three bands as well to have multiple names in them. Yeah, yeah. I guess it just like goes through cycles. Yeah, it's funny, mm. like the trends, but if anyone is thinking about putting a V in their name, I think that would be bad for SEO. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to search because I'm like, I like I there's a, there's a band called Salem, like kind of like this gothic rock band in um 
in Sydney and every time I look at their name, I just want to call them Sflem. Sflem, which sounds kind of like Swedish, I guess, but that's not really what they're going for. (laughs) Well, there's a funny story behind a band out of Newcastle that um, my cousin was, because my cousin was asking me, oh, who are these bands out of Sydney that you enjoy? Um, listening to it, and there's a band called Postcards from Newcastle, and she's no going. Vowels. There's no vowels. <laughs> no, they're great vowels. though. I love postcards. Yeah, they're awesome. <laughs> I love their music. So she's typing in postcards, and she goes, "There's no band called Postcards because all I'm getting is the TV show that used to be on Channel Nine." I'm like, "Rach, <laughs> there's no vowels in the band," and she does that, and she's like, "Oh, now they're coming up under." postcards are bad but she thought it was a tv show so yep so much to think about and all you want to do is play music and you've got to think about all these things (laughs) Uh, now the funny story behind how i came across the last martyr well there's two sides to this story because the first side is that i only actually came across the last martyr only a year or two ago and funnily enough was when I heard Black Rot by The Gloom in the Corner because for those that don't know, Monica, who is on tonight's podcast, is collaborating on that song with The Gloom in the Corner. So I actually came across Monica in that. But the other side of the story was Mirrors because I was trying to type in the last page and when it came up in the search bar, when I tried to type that in, The Last Mother came up. Oh, there you go. SEO. Like, yes. No, no, nothing against actually. I've got to be carefully because they're Gippy Boys mirrors, but um, I was sort of more looking towards the last father. So. <laughs> I, I think there was, a, there was a show where I had to, I couldn't play the show because I was away for work. And um, I think Rob from, was it Mirrors? Yeah, Rob Burns, the drummer yeah. from Mirrors. Um, he, he filled in. So, like, oh, yeah, but, yeah, Rob Burns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's a beast. Like I saw him at Unify for the first time, and yeah, he's he's crazy. Because I didn't actually realise they were from Gippsland. Like I think only one of them still lives in Gippsland. But because I knew, like obviously, Ocean Sleeper and Excuse for an Exit originally from down this way. But um, no, Mirrors are Terrelgan boys originally. But oh, most really? of them are based in Melbourne now. Hmm. Well, there you go. We do have a little connection to them because, yeah, Rob did a, a couple of fill-in shows for us. Yeah. And, oh, like, I'm a massive Mirrors fan, don't get me wrong, but, um, yeah, I was yeah, sort same. of looking for <laughs> I was looking for a new band <laughs> <laughs> and the last martyr came up. Oh, that's but, awesome. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, also finding out um, Black Rot off the gloom in the corner, obviously, um, features Monica as well. So if you haven't heard that song, check that one out as oh well. Oh my gosh, I wish I. Yeah, that's like one of the. It's one of the most insane songs. I mean, that whole album is crazy, and it was so cool to be asked to be one of the vocalists and, and play uh, one of the characters um, in their Gloomiverse. Um, but we actually got to um, do the song live for the very first time. They'd actually never played Black Rot live, um, and the you know, the album had been out a year and only a couple of weeks ago I actually got to perform the song live with them for their um, 
well, I guess you can't really call it a release party. It was more like a one-year anniversary party, but they never did a release party, so it was kind of acting as the same um, before they went over to Europe. And, yeah, it was so, so cool to be able to finally, yeah, perform that song on stage with the guys. Yeah, no, that is, for me, probably the best album of last year, Trinity. 100%. Like from an Australian band, obviously. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal album. Like the the brains that went into that, like, oh my gosh, I would, if I write an album half as good, I'll be very happy. <laughs> it's, it's so dense. Cause like every time yeah. you listen to it, it's almost like you pick up something else. And I know that's oh, yeah. like the cliche thing you say about like all these albums, but that's really like, there's so much in there. And then when you see it live, it's like another layer of like, whoa, there's so much going on. It's cinematic. It's yeah. like, yeah. it's an experience. <laughs> Because um, I admit, yeah, I was annoyed I missed that one-year anniversary of Trinity and I get the feeling it was because there was another gig on that night probably. Um, but, um, yeah, because they played in Taralgon July last year, but that was – I thought, oh, no, that's Trinity's. But, no, it was Ocean Sleeper's headliner. But it was, yeah, Ocean Sleeper, Gloom in the Corner, Outloved, Atlas and Clay Jane. They just – blew the roof off that place and yeah there and then they played with who was it last year or was it this year no it was last year i can't think of they played at stay gold with them gone completely blank but they put on a really good show there as well nice so yeah i've lost track of (laughs) what gig was which because i've been to so many but anyway, off that topic for the moment, what has the response been like for Burn It Down? Um, I think good so far. <laughs> I think it's like definitely our most electronically led song that we've put out. So I was really interested to see what people were going to think of this one. Um, the song, it's like pretty full throttle for like from start to finish, I think, except for verse two and like this little break in the bridge and verse two is very pop and it has like almost this 80s synth wave element to it, which we like to throw in just random, I guess, bits and pieces into our songs um, just to switch it up a little bit. But I think like definitely we knew that this song was electronically driven, but I didn't know, I guess, how electronic it was until so many people started just pointing it out um and yeah I think like this track vocally one of the comments um which is really gratifying to hear is how like how many different <laughs> voices I seem to have within the same track um and I def- it was definitely like something that I was aware of when we were recording and I think it just adds to like the unhingedness like there's almost like this cheerleader voice that comes out in verse one and um you know, very, very heavily auto-tuned on purpose, um, vo- like more sweeter, airy vocals in verse two. And then you've got that sort of the bigger chorus that we like to do, which is more anthemic and, you know, a lot of screams. So that's like to, you know, hear people reflecting that kind of makes you go, oh, yeah, I guess um, that that's cool. That's cool that people are, are noticing that and, and the, a lot of thought that's gone into the track. Yeah, the electronic side of things, it's almost like when when you sit down and you go, 
all right, how can we just have your basic instruments, your drums, your guitar, your bass, your vocals, how can we do it differently and not be restricted by the limitations of just these instruments? And then you look at electronics and you go, all right, yep, that's a way to do it. But, and, and again, every time, you, every time we try something different, it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Like it's pushing the boundaries a little bit until um, at some point it finds its audience, hopefully. But I mean, I, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, everyone I've spoken to, I'm, I'm really proud of it, obviously, but um, it's, it's been nice speaking to people and, and getting those messages that have been coming through saying like, oh, this new song's amazing. It's so cool. And all the electronic, everyone who likes it says like, yeah, the electronics, electronics are great. And um, that, that's kind of like giving us confidence for, for future directions we can go in. I think my look on Burn It Down, and um, it might be different to some other people's opinions, I'm a big fan of Burn It Down and everything The Last Martyr have released. I feel like it's sort of like I loved comedy slash tragedy. I feel like Burn It Down is sort of, I don't know, it just it gets stuck in your head a lot more and... Um, just the vibe with the song you can sort of just sing along to. But it's one of those songs you just listen to once and then go back to. And I've done that a lot lately with Burn It Down, probably more than the other Last Martyr songs. Yeah, well, I think the chorus of Burn It Down, it's a lot simpler. And, you know, that was the words Burn It Down. I th- I'm pretty sure one of the first lyrics that I wrote, it just came to my mind. We wanted something really simple that you could kind of just chant, the audience could chant along with us and it would be repetitive. And it's like that repetitive thing that's really good to do sometimes because it just gets stuck in people's heads a lot easier and they learn the words quicker and, you know, the audience can feel a lot more involved um, a lot easier than, you know, something like, I don't know, comedy, tragedy or sugar, which has a lot more lyrical content in, in the choruses. So that was something that we, we wanted to do because the song's like pretty weird. And so just like stripping it back and keeping that like post chorus really, really simple, especially after, I guess the main chorus has a lot of lyrics, but yeah, it just kind of balances it all out. Mm. And it certainly has worked. I mean, yeah, like a lot of people, that I know that have been asking me, oh, have I checked out Burn It Down? Like, because November already has been a crazy month of good new music, especially when it got released on the 2nd of November, which I can't believe it's been out nearly four weeks already. I know. But um, was that, yeah, because North Road dropped Casualty that same week and then there was a whole heap of other bands that dropped new music and it was sort of like, trying to keep up with it all. It was sort of like, oh, you know. So what my theory was, I'd go, all right, I'll listen to this, then I'll listen to another one, and then just go in rotation. And I think that week it was Burn It Down and Casualty just on constant repeat, which nothing wrong with that because they're both great releases, but I probably missed a few other releases in the meantime. It's hard to keep up. It really is. No, it's really good because I feel like, you know how we used to get those compilation CDs back in the day of like, like um, modern rock or whatever, where it's just a whole bunch of bands that um, are in that genre and, and, or like now that's what I call music. I feel like with the Australian scene and all the independent artists that we have, we could put one of those out every month, I feel like almost. Yeah. 
Oh, easily. I mean, and that's what I like about the um those playlists. Another good thing on Spotify is they do like the homegrown and heavy. They do like um a metalcore playlist or new Aussie metal, and you get to see what's been released and you know some bands you might not have heard of. And for that reason, there's about twenty bands on those lists that. Had I not checked them out, I probably wouldn't have come across. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it's always nice to see like an Aussie band on the cover of one of those as well. Mm. But yeah, I'm I'm with Monica though. It is actually very hard to keep up sometimes. It's just. I used to love yeah. when I was like, I've always found it hard when you're, especially when you're a musician, like. You know, you're so focused on like what you have to do just to you know make the basic quota that sometimes it is really hard to keep up but I used to love like more so when I was working as a journalist like a couple of years ago because I would get spoon fed the new releases straight into my inbox and it made it made things so easy because especially with social media you know things get missed really easily because you know the algorithm only shows people's posts to like a, a certain percentage and that percentage is really low and then it takes like you know, more than seven times actually internalize, you know, one single thing. So I find like just relying on social media is really tricky. Um, so yeah, when I worked as a journalist, I'll just get emailed all the new music straight to my inbox. And it was like my job to listen to it. And um, that was really fun for me because just, yeah, I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's funny you bring up um, journalism and um, spoon-fed emails with new releases and all that. Um, that's how I actually got Burn It Down because Ophelia from Big Mouth PR, who funnily enough set up the interview with Monica and Vin tonight as well, um, sent me through Burn It Down because I was going to just purchase it off Bandcamp and then I actually did in the end Oh, no, did I buy it? I think I was about to buy it off Bandcamp and then got the email. Nice, just in time. (laughs) Just in time. I was like, I don't mind having two copies. Give, you know, purchase it off Bandcamp, goes to The Last Martyr and then get it in an email. But that's happened about five times this year where I've nearly gone and purchased it and the emails come through with stream this new song. I'm like, oh. (laughs) Good timing. (laughs) But nah, um, yeah, I think, I think it, it. The good thing about um, getting, you know, being a not that I've been a journalist, but um, yeah, in the case of Monica being one, uh, getting, you know, all these emails with new releases, it's that is a great way of keeping up with the new music. I think the other thing we've got to realize is pre-saving singles before they come out because. I think it gives an indication of the band seeing how many people have pre-saved the single. Plus it goes straight into your um, release radar on Spotify every Friday so you know when new music comes out. So I think it's very important in that way as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like pre-saving helps the bands as well. I think people don't realise that pre-saving helps yeah, it helps like the music get out there because if it's not straight in your library as well, it's easy to forget about as well as a whole bunch of other reasons. And also, um, 
I think it's a very important also um, that I've got to be careful here again how I say this, um, that radio stations, not just the Triple J's and the Triple M's, but a lot of the community radio stations get on board and play this new Aussie music as well. Like Triple J do it brilliantly, Triple M. Um, Aaron from Space Goat does a show down in Bendigo now that plays a lot of Australian music. Yep. So yeah, I think we love Aaron. <laughs> we got yeah. our friends in uh, Not Quite Midnight too. Yeah, yes, they do a brilliant job of it as well, of course. Yeah, Brian, um, Brian at PBS, Tyrannochorus, they have been, uh, well, he has been such a immense support to us as well. Give him a shout mm, out. No, there's a lot of people doing great things to support the local music scene. And if I was still on radio, I don't think mine would be 25% at the moment. Mine would probably be closing in on 50% Australian content easily. <laughs> nice. Because, <laughs> I mean... Yeah, it's. I, I would have loved to have kept doing radio, but it just got to the point where I'm like, all right, is it because I want to still do it or is it because I have to? And it was just with work, with podcasting, with attending live music, something had to give. So unfortunately it was radio, but mm. yeah. It is what it is. Sometimes you've got to make the hard choices, unfortunately. Well, you're still doing radio sort of in your own way. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Just um, audio. Oh, well, actually, radio is audio anyway, isn't it? Duh, Sam, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. But, much of a muchness. Yeah. Much of a muchness. Well, much of a muchness is I can't believe we've been talking for an hour and I've only asked Vin and Monica three questions. That's really bad. <laughs> Oh, no, that's good. It just means everything's been happening organically. Yeah, you know? natural conversation. Love it. Well, it actually would surprise you. I've actually only got two more questions. And then Vin and Monica have the floor. If there's anything you want to ask me, far oh, yeah, away. So, favourite song to perform live? Oh... Well, mine kind of changes. Like at the moment, it's uh, Freestyler and Burn It Down between those two. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of changes depending on the day, really. Yeah, I think I'm I'm the same. I mean, I feel like you always kind of lean towards the newer songs because they feel fresh and exciting. And you haven't, it's not on autopilot like the other tracks can be when you've played them a million times. Not that it makes it any less fun, but there's definitely like a freshness with the new songs. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to have to agree. Burn It Down is definitely my my favourite at the moment. Um, I'll oh, tell you what, though, I used to hate playing Afterglow because we used to open with that and it, it opens with like a pretty hectic double pedal part. And most of the time especially back then, we'd just get a line check and I didn't really have a chance to warm into it. So um, my feet would just be cold still and then I'd like struggle to get that part on time. And yeah, that that, that was rough. Did Thankfully, we like, don't open freaking it. Freaking out? So we're good. No, no, not freaking out. Oh. Uh, after going. oh, okay. Yeah, freaking out. That's always a hard one as well for me. <laughs> it's not oh, that I don't like the song. It's just that, yeah, where it is, where, where it sits in the set list is sometimes an issue. Yeah. Uh, I, I hadn't thought about it like that with Afterglow, but then, yeah, I mean, as a drummer, if there's what you were saying, Vin, and that 
at the start, I mean, that would put a lot of pressure on anyone to get it, especially if it was at the start of the set. Yeah, there's so much that goes into a set list. You know, you want it to kind of flow in a certain way, but then you don't want to put two songs that are in like a the same key like together or you don't want to start with, you know, a song that's really challenging for most of the band kind of want to ease into it but then you don't want to put your hardest songs last because then sometimes you run out of steam if it's a longer set so I don't know either way like it's never going to be 100% perfect um, especially for the like lengths of sets that we're playing at the moment but mm. but yeah yeah one time I pitched a set list to the band and I drew a graph of like what the energy levels would be like in the crowd <laughs> and I was like this is why I think this is a good idea <laughs> it was literally like a line graph <laughs> <laughs> he's like the energy will be at 98% for this song <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. and then some, some sets you see or hear and like um, I'm not using they're an amazing band live but um, the Corner Hotel show earlier in the year with Red Hawk I was a little bit surprised that they ended with bad decisions like Oh, don't get me wrong, I love that song, but I would have thought, I know they were doing the whole postcard from the Living Hell tour and that, but I was sort of thinking you might have put Bad Decisions sort of somewhere in the middle to sort of mix it up, but it was actually last, which surprised me. Yeah, I think they do it last because they always have guest vocalists up and kind of to bring everyone, like all the bands together to do like the chorus, you know, those those chorus parts. I think it kind of like it has this kind of finale vibe um, with everyone on stage and kind of that, you know, that final thing when you see like theatre shows and where, where the whole, um, you know. Curtain call. Yeah, where the cast like comes out and like takes a bow one by one. <laughs> no, but um, I mean that it's probably one of my favourite Red Hawk songs. I'm still a massive fan of Kamikaze. Oh, yeah. I think so cool. Yeah. And especially like now David from Bellhaven generally jumps up on vocals for kamikaze i think it just adds that really good dimension but i've also got a soft spot for um say and also jabberwocky i think they're both very good songs but they haven't put a foot wrong red hook really yeah they're so diverse in in the tracks that they put out especially tourist like that sort of caught me by surprise a bit because it's still Red Hook, but it's a little bit different to what the album was. Like, it's, I wouldn't say it's more a ballad. It's just more of a personal song than what other songs were on Postcard from the Living Hell. But I think it's still a very good song. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I love that album. I like, I just like any music that's diverse. It's one of, like, for example, A Day to Remember. That's one thing that I really enjoy about them is they always have such diverse songs mm. yeah uh, i've i've been a pretty big a day to remember fan probably since homesick like i remember listening to that and just thinking wow 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 and from then on i've just become an even bigger fan really yeah i really like um obviously they've got the classic tracks um that I don't know, were played at like all the Destroyer Lions clubs <laughs> when I was growing up. But 
Um, I really like their album, um, Bad Vibrations. I think like I was listening to that album on repeat right before I moved to Melbourne. It really signifies this, this time in my life. And yeah, I think it's like an album that is kind of underrated. Yeah, I think because that was the album. Was that 2017, 2018, Bad Vibrations came out? Okay. Yeah, I moved to Melbourne in 2017. So, yeah, it must have been around around that time. Because they've released two albums since Bad Vibrations. So I reckon, yeah, it was 2017 maybe. Mm. Doesn't feel that long ago. I think it, what scared me the most is it's 20 years since Begins Here by the Butterfly Effect was released. I'm like, it can't be 20 years since that's been released, but it is. Yeah, I'm sure Ben would have something to say on that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, last question, and then we will hear from if Ben, Vin, and Monica have anything they want to ask me. What advice would you give to bands, artists starting out? Hmm. So much. <laughs> um I think like just be prepared for things to take longer than what you think they're going to take um although if I had known probably how long things were going to take I don't know if I would have had as much gusto but um there's that and yeah gosh what like where to even begin I think the most important thing is to just try and have fun with everything and to take it seriously and work harder than anyone else but also like find the balance to have fun along the way. Um, that's really the the best thing. I think like just dedicating yourself and there's a lot of people that say they want to have a career in music, but they don't understand how much work it takes. Um, so yeah, work harder than anyone else, work your ass off, be like work hard at your instrument as well. Work hard at your songs because it's so easy to get caught up in like TikTok and it's so easy to get caught up in, you know, becoming jaded because a certain, you know, perceived gatekeeper is, is in the way. But right now, like you've got access to so many fans who are like in your niche, like, you know, throwing it back to what we're saying about Amel and the Sniffers, they've got such a unique sound, but they've got fans. Um, so yeah, be good at your instrument, work really hard, have fun. Um, and just like enjoy the journey. That's the main thing. Yeah, just to tack onto that, it's definitely you need to love doing what you're doing and do it more so because you love it, not so much because you want to get huge and blow up because that's not going to happen overnight unless you're super lucky, right place, right time, which doesn't happen to all of us, unfortunately. And um, I was reading and, and I tracked this with like Polaris and Thornhill and, and all these other bands. Uh, Spotify data-wise, it's something like 34 or 38 songs that the artist releases before they they start really getting traction and growing so 30 that, that's a that's almost like three albums or like however many eps if you look at it so just be consistent do it because you want to do it and you want to put out art and you love that aspect of it and um the consistency will pay off it's there's there's that route to it or there's yeah getting lucky which unfortunately we can't control so yeah be consistent that's that's definitely a good point uh, very, very sound advice. And yeah, I think very important lessons in life in general, too. 
Yeah. And understand the business as well because <laughs> no one's going to advocate for you more than you. And, like, at the end of the day, like, you shouldn't be searching for, like, labels or managers or agents to book, like, you know, to look after your career. Like, you have to understand it yourself and you have to drive it yourself and those people can take you, you know, they they can help expand the path but ultimately it's always going to come down to you because um yeah no one's going to work harder than you for your own music mm. and i think also another thing is and i've heard a lot of people say this is um don't worry about well i've got to put this carefully um if you don't be worried about failure that's what i was trying to say because like um if something doesn't work the first time, just continue at it because, um, you know, if you give up after trying something for the first time, then it's you never know what's going to happen the next time you try it. Yeah, like like we are saying, we've been in so many bands, like the two of us and all of us in the band have been in several bands before this band and it doesn't mean our past bands were a failure. It was just, you know, we learned the lessons that we learned and we achieved certain things and we had fun in that chapter and now we're on to the next chapter and you just keep learning and keep evolving and I just think that everything happens for a reason and you just, like, there's no way to fail really. No. No, totally agree. Very, very good advice. So listen to Vin and Monica and to anyone that says the advice it's very important to listen to these people who are in the scene, in the industry, and, yeah. Listen to us. Do what we say. <laughs> <laughs> My thing is a sanctuary. <laughs> 9th of December in Melbourne in the front end, featuring. Uh, yes, no. Uh, if. Uh, that's very sad advice as well. Saturday, December 9, do nothing else than go down to Singing Birds at 1 o'clock. That's what I'm worth saying. <laughs> and obviously go to other gigs in the next week or so that aren't on yeah, the You are day. allowed to go to other gigs. You just must be at ours on the 9th. That's fine. We'll allow it. <laughs> yeah, I remember, funnily enough about that, um, Mitch from Priorities was saying, um, he asked me, oh, have you got anything else planned on the 9th? And I turned around and Mitch said, there's only one place I'm going to be on the 9th of December and it's going to be in Frankston and Singing Bird. He's like, that's the right answer I want to hear. I'm like, what's going to be the answer I'm going to give you? <laughs> Excellent. Who wouldn't want to see the last martyr in Ironstone and North Road and, you know, Deadweight 80, Ransom Review, I mean, that lineup there that I just said is good enough. Then you add all the other bands that are playing and it's a great day out. You could discover your new favourite band. Yes, which nothing might be that very band on that lineup because every other band on that lineup I've heard of or seen before. So I'm keen to see nothing and I'm keen to see The Last Martyr because they're the only other band on the lineup I haven't seen. Funnily enough. <laughs> nice. Yeah, nothing at cool. And, um, well, it was meant to be Kids with Capes, but for those that don't know, Atriox replaced Kids with Capes because Kids with Capes have disbanded, unfortunately. Oh. Yeah. But, but these things happen. They'll, they're coming. On, they'll be in the audience, I hear. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, that's like the gig at the Bergie Band Room Thursday night. Without belief, we're meant to be playing, but due to um, issues with Ralph's um, laptop, they couldn't be there. And Ralph was actually still at the gig anyway. So, yeah, we had we had a similar situation when we played the Bergie. There was a, our fr- a whole bunch of our friends actually were playing across the road at Stay Gold, um, but then um, two of the bands were sick and the gig couldn't go on and so we had live like animals in the audience for our melbourne show and then we played with them in sydney so that was cool um to kind of like meet them all in person and before playing um together with them for their album launch and our single launch combined in sydney the following week oh that was the that was meant to be um ghost seeker penny par and uh, was it ghost seeker rin rin and Oh, yeah, you have Penny Parker, good? Live Like Animals. Yeah, that, yeah, because um, Rin Rin got sick. That was what happened. Yeah, and live like half the Live Like Animals guys were unwell as well. So, um, so yeah, but we still partied with them anyway. <laughs> it was really nice of them to come to our show. I actually really like the Bergy Band Room as well. I think it's a great little venue. Yeah. Well, it's actually not that little, actually, when you think about it. But Yeah, I really, really like that venue. Yeah. Um, I actually like the beer garden back as well. I only saw that for the first time the other night because the other times I've been there, I've been through the front door there, not the through the Bergy Seltzer. So it was nice to see the back area as well. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a really, really cool venue. Really like the layout. Good staff as well. They're always friendly there. I think the security guy knows who I am straight away if I walk in. I'm like, mate, you probably see 100 people, of, well, probably more than that, probably two to 300 people a week. How can you remember who I am? <laughs> He's like, oh, I know who you are. I'm like, wow, okay. It's... <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, Sam's asked all the hard-hitting questions to Vin and Monica from the last mother. So now the time is for the tables to be turned and Vin and Monica have the floor. So if they have any questions they want to ask me, far away. Vin, you're up. Um, yeah, so my question was, what was the first local band you saw back in the day? <sighs> That's a really good question. This really has to put my thinking hat on because I think the first the first local band that sort of were up and coming that I saw pre-COVID was, funnily enough, Drastic Park at the very venue Sanctuary is at two oh, years nice. ago. And that was the same night, the Catholic guilt and... Subcult played as well, and funnily enough, Adele from Excuse for an Exit was at that gig, so I got to meet Adele there and James from Catholic Guilt. Um, yeah, met all the Drastic Park, obviously minus Elise, who is who wasn't in the band at the stage, obviously. Oh, nice! Uh, like, yeah, love the Drastic Park boys. They're uh, they're always a riot. No, they are, and I think um, we could safely say now 50% of them are talented, Joe and Elise. Sorry, Chris and Joe, <laughs> if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> no, <I'm> just... <laughs> I don't endorse these comments. <laughs> no, I do. They're gonna, 
they're gonna hate me now. <laughs> Chris and John, if I hear this, but no, I love the drastic path. They're they're amazing, and um, I just love how they take the piss out of themselves so much. Like you got to have a bit of fun when you're in a band. And uh, I I filled in for them one time because Joe was off seeing when we were young festival. In oh, America. that's right. And um, yeah, I like I got it. It was a Halloween show as well, I think. And um, I just wore a paper cutout of Joe's face when I was on stage. <laughs> it was great. Uh, well, my... Oh, sorry. Oh no, I was gonna, I was gonna just chime in with my question. Yeah, go for it. Really important. So, would you rather face ten duck-sized horses <laughs> or one horse-sized duck? That that's a newbie, Monica. I like that. That's you're gonna think about ten duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck. Oh, that's. I reckon it's gonna be the. Oh no, nah, the one duck-sized horse. I think. Wait, no, it's gonna be a horse-sized duck. Sorry, horse-sized duck, should I say. Oh, my God. I think... Are you going to attempt to ride this horse-sized duck? Well, <laughs> actually, now that I think of it, I've given the wrong answer completely. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's terrifying either way, isn't it? It is. <laughs> I, I, yeah. It's, it's certainly, um, it certainly challenged me with a question there because I've never been asked that question. I've been asked similar questions along those lines, but <laughs> well, I guess you know, everyone listening can just think about it. Yes. <laughs> well they could think about the next time Joe's off at when we were young festivals or and Vin's filling in, you just see Vin with a cardboard face <laughs> of Joe on him. <laughs> but uh, that's no, that's the actual gold, that question, and something that I wasn't expecting. I like when questions are put to me that I'm not expecting, so. Nice. Well, I'm glad but... I didn't stump you. That was kind of my goal. <laughs> stump the interviewer. That's the number one goal, I think, in interviews, isn't it, Monica? Just to stump them? <laughs> could be. Could be if you were mean. <laughs> oh, but no, both quality questions and yeah it's i think um local and live music i think it's fun i think that um you always remember your first gig i remember my first festival was big day out 2003 so that's shown my age do the maths i was about 17 and queens of the stone age and foo fighters were playing and i was about one row from the front for Foo Fighters, and I don't even know how I got that close because it was at the Big Day Out. And for those that haven't been to the Big Day Out, it's mosh pits everywhere. I never got to experience it, unfortunately. Yeah, I've never been to Big Day Out either, unfortunately. Um, missed the boat on that one. Ah. Uh, been to you would have been to Unify. Well, you played the last Unify. Well, actually, the last two technically you played off the record and 2022. Yeah, so I mean, I've been to music festivals just big day out, unfortunately. Missed it. Uh, you going to good things? 
I'm not, but Ben is, and he's very excited to see Limp Biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, unfortunately, got other things happening on Friday night that I can't get to good things, which would have loved to have seen um, Bloom Tapestry and make them suffer, but you know, I've seen them before, but um, yeah, work comes first, as they say. Yeah, can't go to all of them sometimes. Nah. Well, I hate when this has to happen because um, once again, I've had a great time interviewing bands and Vin and Monica are no exception. This has been a great chat. I can't believe how quickly the time's gone. Yeah, I can't believe we've been talking for an hour and a half. That's crazy. The last 20 minutes has felt like 20 seconds, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But um, no, once again, Vin and Monica from The Last Mother, thanks so much for being on the podcast and having a chat. Really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Thank you so much for the support. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us, man, and we'll, we'll see you at Sanctuary. Yep, and this interview will actually be uploaded pretty soon, actually, probably in the next half an hour to an hour, and then part two, I'm a bit lazy at the moment. It will be up within 24 hours where you will hear burn it down. But as we've said, buy tickets to Sanctuary, support The Last Mother, all the bands out there, and, um, yeah, just support the local music scene because there's some really, really good music out there at the moment. Sport for choice. Hell yeah. All right, well, Vin and Monica, until Sanctuary, thanks for being on the podcast and we'll chat again soon. No worries, Sam. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much, Sam. Really appreciate it. All good. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Catch up.